0: Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast, episode number 97 with Jeff Young, uh, who is a fellow higher ed podcaster and reporter at Ed Surge, been a big fan of theirs, as well as... Uh, big fan of Jeff's, uh, so it was a real treat to talk with him, uh, learn more about his story and his journey into podcasting and uh, some of the stuff that he is working on currently. So definitely ways to connect with uh, him and the work that he is doing In the show notes in particular. Uh, the Ed Surge podcast is doing an amazing series, really getting into the front lines of colleges, uh, pandemic responses and uh, reopenings talking with faculty and students uh, doing these uh, audio diaries. Uh, they just released the first episode this week, uh, so please go check that out at the Ed Surge podcast and your favorite podcast player. Um, they will be releasing episodes in this series uh, every other week uh, throughout the fall term, uh, in addition to their regular programming in the off week. So um, I mean, I can't see enough good things about the Ed Surge podcast in general. And after checking out this first episode uh, of this series, uh, just so intrigued and so excited to uh, see where it leads and hear about the experiences firsthand uh, of uh, faculty and students uh, at campuses all across the country so please do reach out to jeff you want to keep the conversation going uh, about anything we talked about in this episode or that uh, new series that they're kicking off this week uh, and uh, yeah just so so excited that we get to share this conversation out and after this brief message from our sponsor this is episode number 97 with the one and only jeff young This episode is sponsored by degree.me, a one-stop college research tool for students. If you work for a college or university, you'll want to learn all about their ability to connect you with the right students at a budget-friendly price. To find out more, please visit degree.me slash H E G. All right. So, uh, thank you so much, uh, Jeff for, uh, uh, jumping on for the podcast here, super excited to talk with you as uh, just a fan of uh, your work and your podcast. Just to hear more about uh, your journey and the work that you're doing and everything. So we will start out there as we always do. If you want to introduce yourself uh, and give a brief overview of your professional journey and how you got to be where you are today.
1: Well, hey, thanks, Dustin. Um, no, it's great to it's it's great to be on this. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I am at EdSurge now, um, but I have been covering mainly higher education and kind of innovation in higher education for <laughs> actually like 20 plus years. Um, <laughs> and it it is, um, you know, is something that clearly I've gotten uh, deep down in the rabbit hole in and it continues to fascinate me. Um, but I started off, I would say, first of all, my interest was to was in the kind of like tech culture that when I graduated from college way back, um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to believe these days, but since I've been watching this space for long, you know, like there was this time before the internet was such a part of everyone's lives and before, um, social media even existed and just to, it, there was this emerging kind of like, and especially in higher education, when I was in college, there was a sense that this was a frontier and this was, you know, where the action was as far as like, you know, where the world was changing. And I was just really fascinated by kind of internet culture, and wanting to um, also. And in, in college, really wanted to be a journalist. Worked at the student paper, um, and I was really interested in. It just felt like an area that wasn't that covered, um, oddly, which was the kind of tech um, revolution. Though of course there were you know Wired existed, and there were plenty of. CNED and, and, and places but um, but not always covering the kind of culture and, and kind of um, and ideas around it now again this all sounds like you know crazy now because it is such a part of our lives but that is how I kind of came to really um, want to be in that and covering that world and then when I graduated I ended up um, you know basically ended up at the Chronicle of Higher Education as my first job in Washington D.C. Um, but it was, and which it was wonderful. I ended up getting an internship there while I was still in college and that's how I got my foot in the door there. But, Mm. um, they, the internship program at the Chronicle is just an astounding training program, I would say. And it's, I think you'll see a lot of people have come out of there that are just incredible journalists that have, you know, that's just, they, they, they take it seriously. And the person that was my supervisor, Lawrence B. Miller is just one of the best, in the in the business and just a, a hu- huge figure in my own um path but he is somebody that is super interested in the the kind of culture and systems around um what you're covering beyond just the you know the just the facts at the at the top of ap style on something and and the people and and what's really shaping you know what's what's changing and so I ended up just really falling in love with with the place and getting hired and covering really technology and and the internet culture from the perch of of, you know of what's happening at colleges and, and higher ed um and so i was able to interview all these people that were thought leaders before ted talks existed before some of these you know kind of things that we take for granted now but we're um you know basically being able to you know go to like the Berkman Center at Harvard and and write about their conferences and and to to be kind of at a lot of the um I- events that were taking place to really shape the internet that colleges were very involved with and some of them were almost like being you know when you cover when you're a beat reporter you end up having you know you cover the things nobody wants to go to right like if for you know, for a, a, an education reporter at the K twelve level, that's like going to all the school board meetings late at night. And but for me, it was actually going to things like the ICANN meeting. People probably don't even know what that is, but they set you know the governance board for setting like internet domains. And there was a big controversy over you know who whether they were going to open it up between beyond just like .com and .org and .mil. Uh-huh. And and these were the where where some of the biggest. You know, kind of thinkers from like MIT and Harvard and, and, and other places around the country that had sort of like you Michigan and like places that had invented the internet, so to speak, that had, you know, kind of really brought up the internet, were having these big debates that were still not really that covered. Um, they were, but you know, they weren't you know, those kinds of decisions that were they were making were kind of shaping the rise of the internet and the the opening up to commercialization and um and so, long story short, that's that's kind of where, uh, and I also covered some of the policy issues um, for the Chronicle. I wrote a, a big cover story about the Communications Decency Act, which was you know a law that is is really continued to shape um, you know free speech on the internet. Um, and I covered the arguments before the Supreme Court and sat behind Nina Totenberg from NPR and was in the press <laughs> gallery, you know, like covering that story. Um, and so it's really been it's just it's really was an exciting story and i ended up staying at the chronicle for um for like 20 years <laughs> and then um and then in the last few years um for all kinds of reasons including personal ones um my wife grew up in st paul minnesota so i we wanted to move here with our two young kids and and really kind of were interested in moving out of dc and ended up the um not able to do that while staying at the Chronicle and found that EdSurge was trying to expand their higher ed coverage, which they had mainly been K 12, covering really tech and, and innovation in the K 12 space and um, the business of EdTech. And, and that was a really exciting opportunity to come to EdSurge and help shape what higher ed coverage here means. And so that's what I'm doing now. Um, and one of the things that I was very keen on, and, and I'm sure we'll get to this in a second, because, which is which is the podcast. So maybe I'll just stop for a minute. And uh, <laughs> but that, I think that's the the quick uh, the quick path of like being somebody who wanted to cover tech, finding college a, a really fascinating platform to do it, and then really, and then I will say like along the way, really falling in love with like looking at the education space and understanding how um, how it changes there. Are happening in a way that i think a lot of people broadly may not realize how much change is happening and and that those changes are it to higher education and and take to k-12 too but but i've mainly covered higher ed that those are really an interesting story right now
0: yeah and a story that just continues to unfold certainly with the, the current moment but um Yeah. I mean, it's just fascinating. I mean, yeah, just that longitudinal kind of experience that you've had of really just like the initial seeds of kind of what we could see now as, you know, the proliferation of digital education and just sort of, you know, uh, representing these venerable higher institution brands in digital spaces and stuff certainly started with just like domains and just like, yeah, like the decency of how we communicate online and different things like that. I'm just like, you know, those are those initial seeds. So that's just really fascinating that, um, you've kind of really been there from the, the beginning. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly bringing us to now and all the experiences that you've had over all those years, you know, a big you know, a big chunk of what you're doing now is you're exploring uh, the role technology is playing uh, uh, in education is through uh, the Ed Surge podcast. So um, I'm just always curious, I guess, just because I know some folks are kind of like, uh, you know, they've always had the hobby. So now it's just a good way to like utilize those skills or if it was just sort of like a, serendipitous like happenstance kind of thing that maybe is like a little bit more, um, uh, you know, different that way. So yeah, I'm just curious, like what instar- inspired you to start the podcast or just how it came to be. Uh, cause I know it's been going strong now for a good chunk of time. So I'm curious of kind of the origin story for, uh, the podcast.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And, and Ed search podcast is more than 300 episodes. Um, <laughs> and <clears throat> thanks. We, we do think going strong. So I guess the, um, I really did, get fascinated by audio while I was at the Chronicle. And I would say that that one of the things that was really, you know, that I I did a lot of at the Chronicle was trying to encourage news story formats while I was there because it's I was covering this world and I was talking to all these people that were so excited about things. And, And I have to say, like, I was also like, I wanna try some of this, you know, in my journalism. So I started the first blog at the Chronicle. Again, this all sounds like ridiculous because, you know, that was back when media Organizations were really dabbling with blogs, so we covered, wow. you know, technology, a technology blog at the Chronicle that was called Wired Campus that that lived on for quite a while. And one of the then when when audio when podcasting had its kind of first wave of kind of, you know, interest, it was so clunky. A lot of people, you know, these these apps that we have on our phones that we take for granted the way we get to podcasts that doesn't exist. You had to kind of load them onto your iPod um uh-huh. <laughs> it was i mean i had trouble doing it and i was an enthusiast and um nevertheless like i was like this you know this audio stuff is just so rich and 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 intimate and powerful and these story you know this this format is so interesting and so i ended up doing um a training at um Duke University's center for documentary studies, which I recommend. It was, it was wonderful. It's like a week long training that the Chronicle sent me to, to kind of learn, you know, how to start to think about telling stories in audio. And we started, um, we had, um, we were sort of looking for an idea for a podcast. And then there was a, 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 co- a column, a columnist who wanted to write a column for the Chronicle many years ago. Um, and his name was Warren Arbogast and he wanted to start um, a column and we were in a meeting and someone was like, you know what, this would work better as a podcast. This doesn't, you know, what What he wants to do is kind of, you know, have a chat with somebody and have this like dialogue. And it, again, this all sounds like hilarious, right? Because it's like, wait, we figured out like, oh, you two people sitting in a microphone. Like this was this was like an emerging, like huge popular thing in the world of podcasting. And so we're like, this is, we're going to do this. So I was a co-host with Warren Arbogast on something we called tech therapy. Um, And that ran for, um, at first it was my colleague, Scott Carlson, who did it. And then I took over as the the hosting job after just being behind the scenes producing it. So that was really my toe in the water for podcasting. And then I ended up doing, um, I had the great fortune of of doing a Neiman fellowship at Harvard in um, 2016 and was um, just, it just was an energizing thing. This is a journalism fellowship where you get to spend a year, an academic year in Cambridge at Harvard. Um, I did a lot of um, classes. You can kind of audit classes at MIT and Harvard through this program. And so I spent a lot of time at the MIT Media Lab um, working with some just incredible people thinking about like what, you know what's going on in in media and one of the things that um i came out of that even more excited about kind of audio and podcasting which was having its serial moment at that at that time of you know the the podcast serial coming out Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and a whole new wave of of you know becoming a mainstream um you know kind of medium and so i came back to the chronicle from that fellowship and one of the first things i wanted to do was start a podcast um and so we did um It was called relearning, Um, and we did one season. But I answered this question because this really is the EdSurge podcast as it is now. I was doing it; I started it there because I just felt like you know the story of how higher ed is changing, how the higher ed ecosystem and landscape, and um, because not just because of technology. I mean, one of my big um, my big things that I have really come to to learn as I've covered, you know, I I think I first started my thought of myself as a tech reporter, but increasingly I think the best stories and the best, uh, the most helpful journalism comes out of it by not thinking about starting with tech, but thinking about starting with the issues or the questions that, that have come up that are the problems people are trying to solve. And then look at all kinds of the issues, which include tools often, not always, but also include, policy and include culture and include, um, you know, anthropological looks at like how people are adopting these things. And so it's, um, and really something journalism is well-suited to, to kind of look at. And I think audio specifically is really well-suited to, um, to exploring a transitional time, a, a time where people don't have it all figured out. And there's not a, um, a story that's like all good guys and bad guys and, and people don't, know um, you know and people often in their experiments don't you know have their own misgivings maybe about some of the stuff they're doing which is a really hard um, you know an interesting thing and so if you if you can get people to be honest about that journey and I think audio has a good track record of of people kind of feeling comfortable enough to both share that and then people having an appetite to listen to a longer form um, piece than than say a, a text story that people might read for a minute 30 seconds um you know but if they'll sit with you for half an hour or more on a podcast and really get into it i mean that's 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 really exciting and so when I came to ed Surge, one of my biggest you know desires was to make sure that um the ed, ed search already had a podcast but it was kind of a mixed format it had some news at the top of the show but our our stats told us and we knew from talking to people that often people wouldn't listen to the show until weeks later um and so it wasn't Uh those headlines at the top were stale by the time most people got to them so we ended up taking out the headlines turning it you know really just kind of retooling it as a interview show primarily and more and more we're trying to do a mixed format where some weeks it's interviews some weeks it's kind of a borrowed planet money format where you know, two of us in the newsroom talk to each other and narrate a story with some tape from multiple perspectives, which is great because a lot of these things, there are people with very differing views. Um, For instance, we did a a piece on OER just a couple weeks ago with my colleague, um, Becky Koenig, and we, you know, we talked to a student who was, Against a deal that um, UC Davis was doing, that was kind of this inclusive access textbook program, and then we talked right. to the person at UC Davis in charge of it, and really, um, you know, kind of showing why they're doing it. And so we were able to pull together a piece that's really like an explainer on like what is what is this inclusive access idea? Uh, why is it so problematic in some ways? Because it has detractors and lawsuits, and yet and yet it is trying to solve a problem. Um, so. We we've just been able to, um, you know, kind of explore the, the use the podcast to just kind of tell the stories we do um, as we go.
0: Yeah, um, which I will uh, further emphasize that episode is like really a really good one, because like you said, it just gave, I think, a really full picture of it versus like, Cause I guess even my, like my show kind of limited by the fact of like, I try to get a lot of different people on, but it's like a conversation with one person at a time. And I think with yours, just, you know, uh, covering current events and just all the nuance that you can. And like, I mean, like you said, 30 minutes, like you can get into a lot, you know, especially, uh, you know, if you are bringing on a lot of different people, you can cover a lot of ground in 30 minutes, but um, yeah, so much great stuff in what you said. And I think it's like, Uh, because i i certainly like feel this as well of like being in it of creating a podcast every day because like i honestly can say like i kind of have taken for granted your show because you're like yeah you know we have been going strong for like 300 episodes and i'm like well i guess yeah i mean it's been a long time and like obviously being in the in the thick of it helping to create you know that content, it's like, yep, we have definitely done 300 episodes, but like other people might be like, oh, you know, it's just been around for a while. Like, um, so uh, certainly kudos to, to you and yours, uh, you know, your team, there, uh, kind of doing that hard work because yeah, it's such, such great stuff and it covers so much ground. I mean, both in K-12 and higher education, which like, you know, obviously are so closely intertwined, but, um, there's certainly a lot of unique things in both spaces and all that. So it's just so much to, um, to dig into. So Yeah. And I guess, you know, on that really quick, like, you know, anything else just in terms of I think you've spoken to this a little bit, but, you know, and maybe you'll take maybe the the tail end of this question a little bit more, but just sort of like, you know, what does sort of like keep you motivated, keep you energized about like what you enjoy most about it? Because I I know I've just recorded with somebody else who's like a hired podcaster. And we're speaking sometimes about, you know, those times where it's just like, oh, man, you know, I've got to edit this or I got to do that, you know, like all the different pieces um you know of producing and you know recording and editing and all that so um yeah like what keeps you motivated and energized as you continue to explore all these you know constantly changing nuances and stuff like that and make sure you're you know consistently provide uh, providing you know high quality content and stuff like that
1: thanks for the the comments and for being a listener it means a lot um yeah and i i know exactly what you mean like i have i just like everyone right like i am a different people on different days with this. Like on, I just recently advised a friend who's interested in getting into podcasts, like not to do it a weekly, (laughs) don't sign up for weekly. And I'm like, but I do a weekly show. And I guess what I, what I really meant was like, try to do a season at at weekly, but don't commit to 52 weeks of a year, Uh, which is again, which is what we do is 52 weeks. Partly because it is, it, it is, it can feel like a grind. And, um, But I love it so much that when COVID hit, we actually ended up doing two episodes a week for a few weeks during the the early days of the pandemic and shutting down schools and colleges. So I I have this two minds about it because when things are going and when I have an episode I'm excited about, like, I'm just like, let's do more. And then, you know, there are definitely times where it's like, wow, it's like a constant beast to feed and, and you have to really stay on it. And if you're, and like you said, if you're trying to make sure that you keep up your quality, um, which I know we all do, you don't want to put out something that's not good. You know, I I totally, every time I hear, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I definitely love podcasts. And, um, you know, I I hear people when they're like, oh, this one, the sound quality, like I almost didn't put it out, but I I wanted to get it out because I'm excited about what was said. But, you know, I just, I know exactly what they're talking about. Like I'm, (laughs) I, I get all that that internal angst, which part of me is like, maybe the average listener doesn't care, but um but I I totally am right there with you of like that internal dialogue of like, well, you know, we had this great conversation, but the wind was blowing the microphone or like I had this glitch and I was like, I don't think it's like, you know, it's like kinda hard to listen to if I'm honest with myself. So we you know, we are honestly trying to, you know, in the last year especially we've really tried to up her game with some investments in some microphones and some basics that we should have done even sooner. But, um, we're really a shoestring operation. And so I can relate to so many folks out there that are in that same boat. Um, and, you know, just trying to, to keep, um, to, to sort of wrestle with that reality of, of the constant schedule and the, and the technical things without having some team, I do have a team of reporters, which is amazing that the, the newsroom, you know, we, I'm not the only one doing the podcast. As I mentioned, um, you know, Becky is uh, the other higher ed reporter. And we also have some wonderful um, episodes by Emily Tate, who I need to plug this week's episode, which just came out yesterday. We come out every Tuesday. And hers is this just really deep, fascinating story interviews with three first-year teachers in the k-12 level who their first year teaching is when the COVID hit um last spring so Uh and they talked about what that was like and um and the the three people just end up having unexpected stories and 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 it's it's just really it's just really great so I, i i recommend people listening to that i'm not my voice isn't on it but we were excited to put that together I think how do I keep excited we do we do like definitely have meetings and try to think of ways to really you know how can we upper how can we do something surprising delightful get a guest to people would be like really um, or um, or you know get a get into an issue that that really gets people you know to um, to sort of say like, Oh, I didn't know that. And, and so we, we are just, we have a series. Um, actually, can I talk about a series we're working on? It hasn't come out yet.
0: Ooh, yeah. Good, good teaser. Cause I think, yeah, I mean, just the, the way that you've gone about episodes to sort of, again, emphasize the points that you're making, like it, it's really powerful. Cause I think sometimes there'd be the temptation for like, to get almost like the quote unquote kind of like celebrities or the thought leaders where it's like, Oh, well, let's talk about like the experience that teachers are having during this pandemic. And you could just get somebody to sort of pontificate where it's like, well, I think that students or teachers or whoever are having this experience actually like frontline in the classrooms. But like, like you said, like you got such a deep and nuanced and kind of really, engaging kind of end product by like, well, let's actually talk to first-year teachers. Like they have no context for what this even should look like in the first place. But then like, you know, the reality was going through this unprecedented time. So like that was such a, you know, a great way to go about it. And just having, you know, you know oftentimes I think, you know, you all take that sort of lens of like, well, let's kind of get more embedded Versus sort of just like, oh, let's go to like, you know, these thought leaders and think tanks and, you know, those sort of things, which they have their place. But I think it is also uh, really important, really valuable the way that, you know, uh, you're able to, you know, get to get embedded uh, with those things. But um, yeah, I guess whatever else, you know, you're working on, would be really great to kind of just give that teaser for folks to keep an eye out for in their uh, podcast streams.
1: Well, thanks. And honestly, the embedding is totally it's like a setup, but you don't know this, but um, we are basically doing a um seven episode series starting in the fall so starting in a uh week and a half um so very soon if you listen subscribe to the episode podcast you will start to get these in your feed <laughs> um this is um basically trying to cover this crazy fall which in some in earlier we joked but joke is the wrong word but we were sort of seeing this as like the plexiglass semester because you've got so many places that are literally putting up these plexiglass shields and trying to teach in person, um, trying to make it, uh, healthy and safe, despite, you know, the, the, you know, this pandemic, this COVID virus, um, invisibly lurking around us all. And so, um, we basically have, um, we're going to do this audio diaries series and we've, we found seven, um, uh, Sorry, six professors and six students it might be seven We'll, we'll see how it all ends up this is a fast changing thing where we are um encouraging them to record on their iphones audio snapshots of their lives as they go through this um semester the fall and we'll be checking back with them um throughout the term and already we're seeing you know surprises um where people are you know professors that Um, are applying to try to try they're asked being asked to teach in person but they're actually lobbying against that and trying to get their situation changed and there's there's already um, and some students who were moving into their apartment literally moving in already and because their campus is going back but then they get an email saying actually all your specific classes are going online so now they're moving back home and so it's we've been surprised even just being in conversation with these people who have signed up to do this amazing thing for, to, to really, to do this brave thing and share their stories with us over the whole semester and with the audience, they are already having so many ups and downs even before, before the project starts. I mean, so um, I think, I think it's going to be really interesting and I'm also, you know, I think it it is really underlined for me how um, tough this semester is going to be and and how real it is for people the the
0: the navigating this health issue
1: while trying to get some education done and while trying to help people build toward their goals
0: yeah well i'm going to be yeah keeping an eye out for that it looks really or, uh, it sounds very exciting and just looks like it'll be something that uh yeah, a lot of folks will get a lot of value from because i think it's, it's such a tough dilemma for, you know, so many people involved of like, like, well, we want to provide education for those who wish to seek it out and, you know, uh, yeah, achieve their goals. But then it's like, well, you know, there's risks involved. Is it worth the risk? And just so many variables there, but yeah, again, just trying to get sort of the, the raw kind of frontline, uh, insights as much as we can. And, you know, the, um, I mean, I just know that like these sort of things will be such like valuable cultural artifacts once like whenever we kind of get a handle on this and are moving past it just being able to be like what was it like for people you know uh, in all these different aspects of life you know during this current moment so
1: yeah we hope so i think that's i mean that's exactly the spirit in which we're we're doing this and i've i want to just say and i've already had these conversations with the i've had a you know one-on-one conversation with the professors and students doing this but you know i've told them over and over again we're not trying to get you know, we're not encouraging you to like do anything you wouldn't do anyway. So don't think you need to be that student in the classroom. Who's reporting on like the drama of being in the classroom. Like if you can get out of, if you don't want to be in the classroom and you can get out of it, that's great. Tell us your story, wherever that happens. Um, Uh and so some of this, you know, we, we have people on the project that started out being online only others who are going online only unexpectedly since we started the project. So yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be, um, this is this is going on and so it's like how do we honestly tell the story um and it's you know i think people are um i think people are excited to to be part of it and help help do that because we all know how unexpected it is i mean it's this is kind of the calm before the storm
0: yeah um which is like just certainly yeah like appreciate it from all the uh folks that you're working with and talking to just like that they can zoom out even just a little bit of like, okay, this is sort of just existentially like important to help tell this story so that people understand, you know, what's going on. And certainly, obviously they don't even know what's, uh, you know, coming around the bend, but, um, yeah, it's great that they're, you know, giving time and giving their, their insights. So, um, then I guess switching gears a little bit, I don't know if there's anything uh certainly as we're all continuing to uh endure quarantine life and all that sort of stuff if there's anything in terms of like you know I just always love hearing from people um the things that they're geeking out about like the hobbies the fandoms, the interests that you have, if there's new stuff that you've discovered or things that you've always been into that you'd wanna um just share out and kind of what you know what those hobbies and things kind of give to you and how they positively uh, contribute to your life
1: yeah no i would I would say that. For being here in Minnesota where I live um, uh, it's it's one of the things that this season you know it's a place with extremes of like you know everyone knows it for the cold winters it also has these uh-huh. incredible summers that are just beautiful um, and we you know I been we've been fortunate so far that the timing has been such that it's been um, you know we've been able to live our lives outdoors so much um as I think so many people listening to this are probably experiencing wherever they are um but it's been you know kind of lovely weather to help make that happen and so I think for for me it's really been um you know a camping trip with our with my family and we're going on another one this weekend and like you know getting um being outside um, Just doing things like grilling more and and you know meeting um, In park in the park with folks um, has been has been really a recharging um, Thing that I just you know, it's like hard to imagine that without that I mean, it's been it's been the the one sense of like trying to have some normalcy Um, and when you're out, you know um, Hiking or fishing it's possible to imagine for a second that you're not you know that that maybe, you know, there isn't a pandemic going on because you right. wouldn't you wouldn't have seen anyone that day anyway, um, or you wouldn't have been closer than six feet to a stranger that day. Um, it is it is also you know I think you know there are ways in which I'm excited to like learn more about. That's not something I grew up doing like camping or not knowing much about. So it's been it's been exciting to like learn and feel like um, you know show you know be with kids doing that and, and being in this space of like um just nature so that's been i guess that's been i don't geeking out is probably that's probably <laughs> the closest thing it's not tech at all but no you know, no yeah ordering the popcorn the you know fire popcorn popper on amazon so we can like make popcorn over the campfire or um borrowing these like pudgy pies which apparently does do you know what that is dustin i A do pudgy not pie I didn't know. I think it's a Minnesota thing. Um, it is a fantastic dessert, s'more-like thing where you have this like, you know, iron sandwich maker thing basically where you put bread and maybe like a canned cherry um, concoction that you pour in it and then you just stick it in the fire. And as you can imagine, or th- or throw in chocolate or throw in whatever you right, want and right. you've got instant fire pie. And that is something that I got to try it's awesome.
0: <laughs> well, not, well, that's what I love too. Because I mean, yeah, a lot of people will take it like you know uh, little gadgets or whatever. That's like what they're geeking out about. But like you know, we've sometimes had sort of a, the curveballs, and certainly now you know a lot of people are finding uh, sort of solace and comfort, uh, nourishment uh, in nature, since that's a place where you can yeah kind of achieve a little sense of uh, normalcy more so than you know going indoors for whatever uh, activities folks might have done uh, otherwise. But um, yeah, because, I mean, like, when you camp, it's like, yeah, you know, you got to get all the gear and, you know, just being able to, like, you know, do different things, um, you know, with that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's cool just, uh, yeah, I mean, encountering new things and just sort of uh, appreciating uh, and, yes, quote unquote, kind of geeking out about uh, hiking and camping and nature and stuff. That uh, certainly fits the bill. So I'm glad that you're able to uh take advantage of uh yeah the, the beautiful weather that you have and everything so um i guess just otherwise though i mean um perhaps while you're outdoors and just relaxing or anything like that anything that you're reading or listening to or you know just any resources that you'd want to give uh, a tip of the hat to that we can include in the uh, show notes
1: oh yes so as i mentioned podcasts love them uh, listen to them a lot and two of them that have been incredibly important for me in the last few months or in the last few weeks rather are the New York Times um, Rabbit Hole which if you haven't heard of it um, you know it's like stop the don't stop your podcast but like go listen to it as soon as you can um, <laughs> Rabbit Hole is by Justin Roos who's their, pretty much their main tech correspondent um, their kind of tech culture person and he does this I think I don't remember how many episodes it is um six or seven episode series that is about the YouTube the YouTube algorithm kind of nominally but in this way that I really admire it is just this work of art as far as like looking at internet culture through like how algorithms shape our lives online and therefore our lives and the culture um in ways that it starts off you know YouTube clearly was designed to share, you know, cat videos or whatever, and and somehow it is now this incredible force that is spreading, you know, ideas like QAnon, which somebody I think just won a primary yesterday. yesterday That is a QAnon person, and so,
0: um,
1: you know, I'm sure, you know, it it gets it gets really um, it gets really big really quick as far as the implications, um, which again, which is something that I think people sometimes have trouble like understanding the full impact of what, you know, some even, even memes that are kind of uh, light or, um, or happening and they feel like they're happening on the fringe, but then end up having this outsized effect that really shapes all of us, whether we're involved with them or even know what that is or not. Um, so I, I really recommend that. Um, and then there's another one um, called The Last Archive. By Jill Lepore, she's a New Yorker writer and a historian at Harvard, and she is, you know, already she's just like somebody that I've her work I just admire so much just in the New Yorker. But um, the last archive is pretty new, um, and it's it's literally it's kind of a it's it's almost like a companion piece to the Rabbit Hole, which is it's it's literally explores, as she puts it, how truth died, like who killed truth and this idea of like why can we not why are we having so much trouble these days as a as a society um you know kind of figuring out, sharing with people the facts the things that are you know the like the pandemic exists and that um you know there certain things have happened and they end up getting to be political disputes and you're like wait how and her her sense of like putting things in historical context and her very playful storytelling it's just i, I
0: really recommend that one yeah um really interesting So yeah i mean because that's like yeah i mean certainly a lot to do you know with the internet so like you said yeah like kind of a companion piece to sort of like the internet culture and how things uh you know different pieces of content spread because like you know i think part of it is like You know, oh well, I saw it on the internet, so it must be true. Like that continues to be kind of this like stubborn, uh, I feel like adage for a lot of folks. But then just like um, so many of the platforms just being like, well, you know, we just don't want to be in the uh, position of like moderating. You know, so there's like we're just a platform; people can do whatever they want. We're not responsible for what people post. And it's like, well, I think you are a little bit. And they've slowly been inching towards that, which is like reassuring, but also is just like you know. They were never designed or intended to be a place where they, you know, Facebook or anywhere else needs to like hire all these like content moderator or whatever, you know, so it's like they are doing it for that because I think they feel an obligation, but I don't know if they would ever like fully get into it. But then it's like, yeah, like these people who are like engaging with this very, you know, uh, relevant part of the current moment culturally for america especially like you know it's like people who are trying to influence election like so there's so many implications of like yeah just the core piece of like like you said that kind of like tagline which is like so intriguing of you know just like when did truth die like on the internet and stuff or like what role did the internet play in that and stuff so um i'll have to go check that one out as well but um yeah. So all really good stuff. And, um, you'll wrap up here, hopefully on a <laughs> less foreboding, uh, and perhaps a more uh, optimistic note. So, um, cause I think, you know, you already teased something coming up with the podcast, which is really great. So, I mean, just anything else, like just kind of higher ed wise that you're like sort of, uh, hopeful for optimistic about, or just anything else that you'd want to, um, end the episode on just to kind of leave things on a optimistic note.
1: There are obviously a lot of, um, you know people trying so hard you know I think high ed does get this rap of like oh they're not changing or that somehow professors are are you know sterile and, dis- and distant but that's you know I, I think as people that spend time in high ed no, that's just you know that's not the typical maybe you can find someone like that in every field and so people are really really care a lot and people are trying really hard to make whatever happens this coming fall um, you know, as effective as it can be and as and as um, safe as it can be. So I think I think there's that. Um I do I do wanna say though, I feel like I, I almost feel like I'm excited in a way that's for something that's gonna be hard for me and for everybody, I think, which is this conversation that is going on about social justice and, and the role of race and, uh-huh. and, and and structural inequity. And I think that there there's just so much right now that's dark and um and, and that people shouldn't ignore and I don't think people are ignoring that I think people are if if we can get a conversation um be, you know maybe maybe in part because of the pandemic as bad as it is and as and 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 tragedies like the killing of George Floyd like I I um you know I'm I'm certainly Interested in how that is causing a a conversation, and historically, higher ed is a place where those kinds of conversations happen. And I think it is happening. It's just going to be a really different kind of conversation because of uh, the pandemic, and frankly, you know, us people not being able to be together. And so, I guess it's it is untested um, level, at least unfamiliar to people. I think today of like this level of like unrest but i am interested to see how that plays out and what um if if people can kind of have conversations of if we can get to honest conversations about how what if what could change what should change like i think there's you know i know people out there probably have very different thoughts of them you know of their own beliefs but i think you know will will some of those conversations be had um is interesting
0: yeah absolutely um well, because I think so many people just like assume that like progress just is sort of like this natural force that always happens. And it's just this sort of like, you know, just a fact of life that things will always just get better for everybody just because. Um, but so that was an early now...
1: that was an early Internet um, narrative, right? Like that.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah, that's that's the thing that's going to get us to the next level and like progress as a society. And we'll like, boom, we got this. And, you know, that might end up being but it's, it's certainly been you know, uh, not a, not a straight line.
0: Um, well, no, and I I think like the point that I want to make too, is like, it takes effort and thought and intention by so many people to like make society better and, um, all those sort of things we're seeing like unrest and sort of just this dissatisfaction with the status quo and just sort of like us sort of sitting on our hands and not, uh, addressing these long overdue and persistent issues and stuff. So I think, you know, yeah, the continued uh, sort of upheaval of these, like, you know, this inertia that we've had around, you know, uh, social justice and stuff. Yeah. I'm like optimistic that like, just generally over the past, you know, handful of years that people have felt more uh, empowered and motivated to, you know, let their voices be heard and do work that's important and um, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's like, it's disruptive, it's uncomfortable and all that, but like absolutely necessary long overdue and just, uh, you know, yeah. Wanting to take the time to, yeah, like have those conversations and, uh, do the learning and put in the work and stuff. So, um, certainly reasons to be, uh, optimistic there for sure. As much as, like you said, it's going to be, I think like a, you know, uh, a rough time, you know, like it's going to be like a tough process for a lot of people. Um, but, uh, absolutely necessary so um
1: and education has got a role yeah education is going to play a role for sure
0: yes yes absolutely um so uh yeah i mean just thank you so much for you know taking the time and sharing all that you did it was really uh fascinating and just uh awesome for me to kind of hear from you and your story and the things that you're working on and have coming up here so obviously we'll have ways to uh connect with you and the work that you're doing and everything that you mentioned uh down the show notes but uh thanks again so much for your time
1: Thanks, Dustin. Really appreciate it. A pleasure to talk to you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.